Hey there, folks. How's it going? Jovan Hutton Pulitzer here. Thank you for joining me this evening. We're going to treat this uh, evening a little bit different. It's going to be quasi, in, you know, educational and instructional at the same time. We're going to be talking about True the Vote. We're going to um, give you some of the facts, give you some of the details directly from the fine folks at True the Vote. And but first, before we do that, I want to make sure that you understand what it is, how it works, um, etc. So when you watch the movie, which I hope you do, you will be able to understand the technology behind it. I'm going to play for you that spot again for the movie. And it will lead me right into my next discussion. So if you just joined me, thank you for joining me. I record every day, 7 a.m., 7 p.m., Central Standard Time, seven days a week. I say it in Central Standard Time because it's easy to remember, 777. Shout out to everybody listening on my radio stations out there, FM 93.3 Real Talk. Thank you for tuning in. And by the way, thank you guys for running us up to the top of the charts all around the world. Uh, for our podcast as well. Take a look at the trailer. You've got uh, a little over two weeks, about two weeks, and the movie comes out. Check this out. The 2020 election was the most secure in U.S. history. There has been no evidence of widespread voter fraud. He lost a fair and secure election. The most secure election in American history. Really? All those of you volunteered and worked the polls, you deserve a special thanks from the entire nation. This one mule made 53 trips to 20 drop boxes. He's not alone. We tracked 2,000 mules making multiple ballot drops. Leaving no fingerprints. Snapping photos to get paid. A coordinated ring of illegal vote harvesting all the key states where the election was decided. They've delivered us a clear victory. Game over. That's what we're going to be talking about this evening, folks. We're going to take it from the um, concept of provable evidence Presenting it, of course, to Congress, Senate, and uh, hopefully your state prosecutors with your attorney generals. One thing you should note is on my Rumble, you can always find me in social media. It's just rumble.com forward slash Jovan Hutton Pulitzer. Most of them are all my full name unless I've been banned. Then you'll see a different iteration. The next iteration is Jovan H. Pulitzer. I put up a video because everybody's asking, why are we not getting traction why are uh, secretaries of state, attorney generals ignoring this or attempting to ignore it? I put up an extremely boring one-hour video for you. But it's paramount 
when it comes to understanding why getting election integrity in the United States is such a hard fight. It's 30 Secretary of State's, chances are your Secretary of State is on that call. The call explains how they've all kind of band together. Remember, they did a new law, the Association of Secretary of States, that says unless you're one of their approved auditors, you can't audit. And they've added new stuff like they want to try to say nobody can look at the ballots no matter what. It might be worth your time to watch that. It will be boring, but you will hear how they decided in 2021 there was no such thing as election fraud. They were going to stop it in their tracks, and they're trying to build a case against Donald J. Trump that this is all bogus. He's spreading it for an insurrection. Well, we all know there is election fraud. We can see it. So tonight, I'm going to educate you right up front, and then we're going to dive into it. I want you to understand what geofencing is, is because that's what it's called. So I just want to start with an animation first. You've obviously probably seen a navigation system at some point. It's even on your phone, Google Maps, or either in your car. Think of that layout of the land in a software program. And then what you're able to do on that software program is people can go in if you have the data, and you're actually able to draw an area in whatever mapping program for whatever area it is, and you can set up what is called a geofence. Now, I'm simplifying it here, but I want you to understand this is how it works. It's just a tremendous amount of data, and you use software to put an electronic fence, let's say, around an area, and you begin to analyze the data. That's the easiest way for you to understand what happens. Now, the way it works is you have your mobile phone. 85% of Americans have a smartphone. A smartphone basically means you can reach the internet on it. So if your phone in any way can reach social media, get an email, right? Surf, whatever the case, look anything up, shop on your phone, you have a smartphone. And every time you're going down the road, what you don't realize is either you walking or your car, you are going past cell phone towers. You see them all the time. Some of these are really pain in the hoo-hoo, right? Especially with 5G, because they'll cut you off continually. Well, every time you pass one of these towers, there is a handoff. And that handoff basically creates a digital signature that, hey, you've been there. You can then take this data and that geofencing if you've gone into an area. And if you've geofenced that area, basically what you're looking for is, okay, I want to see all of the cell phones, the mobile smartphones that were in this area at a specific time. So it'll start for that uh, to begin with. And then you're able to look at trends, recurring instances, and you have to filter through the data to see who was there consistently and what they were doing. This is the technique that True the Vote used in nailing down this concept of ballot mules and ballot trafficking. Tremendous amount of data. 
You can't even comprehend how much data this is. And then you fence in the area and you start looking for all the phones in there during a, a period of time. And then you start watching them and you start looking for the recurring numbers popping up. It's just kind of like sorting a spreadsheet. And so what it's doing is it's kind of triangulating your location history in your phone with a time and a date stamp. Okay. It's a time and a date stamp in your phone. Now, if you have a smartphone, it does it, but both, it will also work in your car, by the way, if you're doing anything, Google at work. And right now, I guess the number is actually 95% of people have smartphones. And if you have that turned on, right, anyway, you can be tracked this way or it can be found out. Now, there is a, a bit with the what's called the cluttering of the information. If you were looking for a suspect in a crime, you can, your phone could actually be in the vicinity of that crime and you not know it. Geofencing is good um, to a target of about 150 feet. We'll call it, uh, you know, half a football field. And so it's literally drawing a circle where it is and says, okay, this person is within this 150-yard circle. So if you were in a football field, you're standing on the 25-yard line. If you could just go from the goal line to the 50-yard line, there you are. That's about how far it looks and is able to nail down the data. Now, the good thing about this is if it's done properly, it can be used to solve crimes. And of course, as we all know, anything in the trafficking of ballots is a crime. You can uh, use this at any time. Uh, you can't really just kind of openly get it for investigations because you have to literally, from a, from a criminal standpoint, you have to get now what's called a geofence location warrant. Now, this is a fairly new area in investigation. It is part of a forensic investigation. And it's one of the services that Google's and the telephone company offer. In 2018, there were 982 geofence warrants issued. In 2019, there were 8,396 geofence warrants issued. So basically, you know, a tenfold increase, thousand percent increase. In 2020, there were 11,554 geofence warrants. When it comes to finding who maybe like did a robbery or whatever, that information can be priceless, totally priceless. Now, the government ones, it, it can be more exact, you're right, than, 100, than 150 feet. If you're doing it correctly, uh, depending upon the, the power you have behind it, it can get down to six feet. But that's about as accurate you're, as you're going to get it in the non-military aspects of the use of this. Been a lot of laws written about this. Now, I want you to understand this could be used for good. This could be used for bad. 
the good part of it is when it comes to uh, 2,000 mules, it's very good to be able to identify, identify these repeat offenders and to prove that this happened. As far as a conviction, and I just want you to understand this right up front, as far as a conviction, many of these cases, it's not that they're hard to prove, it's that they are being challenged based on the Fourth Amendment, okay? So it's, it's used all over the place, but there is an issue with the Fourth Amendment. Your government, as well, can and will use geofencing technology to spy on you. And I'll give you an example. There are 45 criminal cases involved, and this is at minimum, by the way, okay? It, it's probably double by now, but there's at least 45 cases, criminal cases, brought by the Justice Department using geofencing to identify who showed up at the Capitol on January 6th. So there it is. So they can use it too, right? And they are using it. They used it to bring at least 45 cases I know of, which probably double that now, to identify people who were there. Now, that has nothing to do with uh, whether you're guilty of anything or not. They can use this all the time, okay? They do this all the time. Part of getting it down accurate, this will ring a bell with you, but part of getting this down accurate is they will fly special planes, kind of like they did over the Maricopa audit, to be able to get the telemetry tighter and find everybody that had a cell phone there. This can be used for good. This can be used for bad. That's just the way it is. And so I wanted you to understand that. I wanted you to understand how it works. I wanted you to understand what it is used for, how it can be used for good, how it can be used for bad. From that standpoint, we have a tremendous opportunity in history to prove for the first time there is such a thing as election fraud. You got to be really clear on these definition, folks. Voter fraud is when somebody takes a dead mother's ballot and votes it. And they get caught. Now, that's the racket in prosecution. These secretary of states, Brnovich included, will easily go after somebody who misused a ballot. And they'll get them to agree to a plea deal. They get to say they were a conviction, right? They get to say it was a conviction. And look, we went after it. But it also gives cover for the system where if you were to look at published reports that they say voter fraud is 
very minimal, and it's very, very tiny. Now, what they're doing is they're taking an election where you have, let's say, in Maricopa, 2 million voters. They find one person. They prosecute the one person. Now they have a ratio. They found one out of 2 million. You see how the game's played? That's how the game's played. They will immediately do those, okay, literal stuff, right? They will do it. They will tokenize, find one person, and do it. Then all of these think tanks, all of these universities say voter fraud is very small. Now, I want you to understand the difference between voter fraud and election fraud is like sexes to gender identification. Sex, you're male or female, down to your DNA, it is what you are no matter the costume you wear. Gender can have all these crap variables. Voter fraud, right, they'll focus on, because it goes to one person, to avoid having to tie in all of these other variables of whether it really occurs. That's the difference. Therefore, you don't really hear about election fraud. When it comes to 2,000 mules and the fine work they did and are still doing, this is probably going to end up being one of the hallmark things that actually maybe get us some true traction and possibly convictions because, like LM says, it's a team sport, meaning they prove multiple people are on it and had a formula to do it and it was coordinated everywhere. That's RICO. That's RICO. Working through a system of bad actors and a coordinated effect. That is why words matter. And that is why they've only talked about voter fraud. It's also why they do the word salad of there is no evidence of widespread voter fraud. It's all a word game. It's all designed to take everybody's eyes off the ball and never get to the prosecution. So now that you understand the narrative and we're ready to go, I'm going to take a real quick break. Then I'm going to come back. We're going to dive into this. And we are going to proceed in with True the Vote and take a look at everything that transpired as they gave their testimony in Wisconsin and the fine-tuned details of their work and how it works. That's what we're going to do. I'll be right back right after this. Cut the crap. How many times a day do you want to say that to politicians, the elite, the loony liberals, the fake news media, and the gender-confused, emotional, socialist, snowflake crowd? Cut the crap is your secret weapon for fighting for our freedoms and our great republic. It all begins with a massive mental enema, freeing you from the toxic news and politically correct views, which constipate your consciousness with stinking thinking. Your host, Joe Von Hutton Pulitzer, is known for calling out politicians and telling them to cut the crap. You've seen him on virtually every television network and listened to him on Coast to Coast Radio. And now, he's here to help you learn to fight for America. Culture, race, and American politics, they all have one thing in common. They all need to cut the crap. Now, here's your host, Joe Von Hutton Pulitzer. 
Okay, folks, now that you have a prep on how this uh, phenomenon of geofencing works, what's entailed, you can now visualize it in your head how people do it. Ton of data, just like a spreadsheet, little geeks nerding around, drawing an area, and just looking at the data forever to get answers. We're going to jump now to the testimony of True the Vote as they presented it in Wisconsin so we can focus on specific facts, and then we will discuss each break in it along so I can help you. I want to have you intimately educated because I'm sure you're going to want to see the movie 2000 Mules. So I want you to understand how this is used, why it is a phenomenal thing, and how it might be the straw that finally breaks this election fraud ring. Here we go. Evidence of what, what we consider to be ballot trafficking um, that your law suggests is illegal in practice. The voters on the other end of that process, whether or not they engaged wittingly or unwittingly, whether or not they were paid for their ballots or not, that's a that's a whole nother matter, honestly. Um, and, and we've seen it across the country in, in a variety of ways. Some people willingly bring their ballots to churches and get paid for that. I mean, there's a there's a variety of, of ways in which this happens. The, the really troubling part about, about the process, and this has been consistent, is that when you are involved in a, in a, in a, in a community or in a, um, a network, and broadly just in an environment where it's acceptable, where that's an okay thing to bring your ballot and get paid for it, sealed or not, you bring your ballot and you get paid for it, or you know, I mean, there's some there's so many ways to get at this, right? You can you can get paid for your ballot. You can, in the case of um, mailing out of a ballot, it just maybe never arrives in your mailbox and you don't know and it's gone. Um, you can be required, as we've seen in many states, to hand over an open ballot. Uh, we don't we don't want to, and and are not trying to 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 split the baby on exactly which way these votes were actually collected because there's all manner of ways. Um, but no matter how you slice it, we, we believe it's voter abuse because to believe that you need to hand over your ballot under any circumstance is abusive and it's not fair to the voter. And I think we collectively need to do a better job of, of, of reinforcing the pride of, you know, being, being able to deliver that ballot ideally in person, but if it's going to be in a mailbox, so be it. But this notion that, I mean, I cannot tell you guys how many people we have talked with that just, they just, yeah, it's what we always do. So let's dissect this. If you are going to mass rig an election, the single easiest way to do it, the single easiest way to do it is to get a hold of the ballots. The easiest way to get a hold of the ballots is to make sure you're doing mail-in voting. This has been around forever. This is why you see so many people and so many states trying to push mail voting by mail in because it creates an opportunistic way to try to steal it 
and make it almost as visible, uh, as invisible as possible. So let's talk a few ways to get a hold of the extra ballots. Number one, you need an overabundance of ballots, especially if you're going to do a campaign to rip people off via the mail. That's why we have our mail order administration. The multiple ways you do that is you either have a synthetic voter roll, which is inflated with all kinds of dead people, not real people, or you overprint the ballots, as we've seen in Maricopa, or you actually somehow weaponize the information so you know technically who is not going to vote. Now, that's currently what's going on in 35 some odd states. The video I told you about you should watch with the Secretary of State. It's interesting. All their states participate in that program. It's called the ERIC system, Electronic Registration Information Center. This place supposedly cleans up the voter rolls. It looks for people that have moved, which are no longer allowed to vote, and people that are dead. They prepare a report. They send it back to the state. When you read their contracts, they are not obligated, meaning the state, to do anything with the information. Now, there's three things you can do with that information. You can ignore it and be totally lazy in the job. Government employees do that all the time. You can use it correctly and you can clean your voter rolls to run your elections fair, safe, fair from nobody's canceling your vote, to run your elections safe. Or the third way you can use that information, if you are a nefarious administration, bad actor, person who gets this information, you're now going to be able to know, okay, who are these people? Let me give you an example of how big it can be. If you were to look at Maricopa from July 2000 through um, August, right, July, yeah, roughly, of 2021, and you looked at Maricopa scrubbing the rolls, they would have scrubbed, or they did say they scrubbed, about 360,000 people. So you can see over time, you can build up great numbers. And if you know where the people aren't going to vote because they moved, and you know people aren't going to vote because they're dead, one lone person inside an organization can have that information know who they are, know their voter IDs, know that that ballot's not going to be picked up, and it is priceless, totally priceless, and can be sold on the market to the highest bidder, can be sold to uh, corrupt organizations that um, are willing to pay for it to get it. Last but not least, in this overglut that we got during COVID, the intentional overmailing, mailing uh, two or three times, instead of instead of cleaning up the addresses and using your last one, there was a ploy to just use every address they had on file for you. Oops, our mistake. And so apartments and homes, you could get four or five ballots. I've seen some home get 10 ballots. 
your first reaction is you're going to get the one that says your name right and your address right, not all the other derivatives. You're just going to think it's junk. You're going to throw it in the trash. There are organized people that follow the post people and then dumpster dive and get those ballots. And then you heard about churches, civic organizations, and paying money for it. I just gave you all the different ways, and not one of them is a crime. There are no bills or laws written to stop this stuff at the moment. There will be. DeSantis ostensibly have done one. If you have more than one ballot, I made a recommendation. If you have two ballots in your possession, it is a crime unless you can prove that you're carrying it in for a relative, which is the only way you can do it. Now, some states have rule against ballot harvesting, but they don't enforce it. And there's a loosey-goosey uh, ruling about what ballot harvesting is. There was a fellow in California during the recall, Gruesome Newsome. He had a thousand ballots in his car that he had collected to get paid for. Wasn't convicted of a thing. So as we go through this process and decode it, I'm going to point out to you where the holes are. These are where laws have to be written. This is what we have to do to plug the holes. They're all open. The good thing about it is our eyes are open. We'll stop this. Don't worry about it. But this is where you have to get involved. And we have to make sure we keep the pressure on our lawmakers to plug these holes. Let's continue. So um, in Milwaukee, Racine, and Green Bay, we identified 138 people who met that criteria of five NGO visits and 26 drop boxes during the study period of October 20 to November 3 of 2020. This resulted in a, a unique number of drop box visits of 3,568. So those 138 people went to drop boxes in total 3,568 times, just those people. Now think about that folks. Um, 3,500 and 68 people. Those people pinpointed down to an area. Now you've done this geofence. You're looking at an area. The area is defined by these drop boxes. You start looking at them and you start seeing a route. And you're looking for this recurring cell phone number to ping. And all of a sudden, you keep on seeing this number. That's the first thing you do. You geofence the area, you look at the data, and you look for the phone numbers that continually pop up. Now, granted, there's going to be a lot of people that work there, but you're going to be able to identify them that, okay, this person works here. What you're looking for is the connective tissue from Dropbox to Dropbox to Dropbox to Dropbox. That is where the patterns begin to emerge. Do you think that, uh, and by the way, right, in most states, not illegal. The laws have never really been enforced, and that is why we have to 
be educated about this because it's going to be a very, very hard fought battle. It will prove this occurs and it will prove we need to do something about it. It will force lawmakers to do things. And by identifying the people, it may actually identify who was paying them. That is where we might find the crime. Now, Paulette says, I got four mail-in ballots, but always voted in person. That's how it works. Think of your ballot as currency, and they flooded the market with currency. This is about, you've got to understand how this works. Because every one of you technically is an enforcement officer. We're going to deal with that in future training sessions, but you have to know how this works so we can stop it. Because it's going to be up to us. Bottom line, it's going to be up to us. Let's continue. There is a, um, there is a, uh, a, an entity that's funded by uh, federal law enforcement agencies all over the world. It's called the Armed Conflict Location and Events, Event Data and Target Devices. Um, basically, it's a database of all of the um, device IDs that show up at the violent protests around the world. And um, just for the sake of this discussion, we identified 10 different devices uh, that are on, I'm sorry, 14 targeted devices that participated in one or more of the violent riot, violent, violent riots in Wisconsin during 2020. So of our, of our device ID, of our, the ones we identified, about 10% or so uh, participated in some of uh, the violent riots in your state. Let's deal with this. We all know, and even though the fake news didn't cover it, there was a tremendous amount of citizens showing video that they bust in Antifa rioters. That's number one. Number two is we know that they ran Craigslist advertisement, paying some people up to $300 a day to riot and to show up, and they bust them in. Now, if you understand that's a crime and those are paid actors to agitate, so the news has a story and so the political system has a story to focus on, which they did, then I want you to understand what he just said. In one area, they were not only to find these people that were ballot traffickers, they were also previously involved in the riots. It gives you a very good idea of how and who organizes this behind the scenes. One of the things we have to do in our own kind of Project Veritas style is we have to get embedded with these organizations. We have to take risk or our kids have to take risk and be invited to these events and being paid so they can document where's the money coming from, what's going on. If you go back to, uh, I originally mentioned the use of geofencing in December of 2020. 
it was a discussion I had by watching what was going on in Fulton County, Georgia. One of the things we noticed from all of the surveillance and from all of the video footage and from people inside, there were a tremendous amount of people there on burner phones. Burner phones are the neutered phones um, that really doesn't have a carrier. You buy it, you use it, you throw it away. It is a typical tool in a crime organization. The goal was, hey, look, if we can pinpoint these burner phones by the way they travel around this building, and if they're bringing in these people in from out of town, they've got to put them up somewhere. We'll find where they're housing them. By the way, they rented private houses. We'll find where they're housing them. We may find a hotel or two. There's going to be a credit card attached to it. We may find a rental car or two. There's going to be a credit card attached to it. This was in December 2020. So the information got put out there that we can use geofencing to our advantage. And that was run up the pole or the pole, P-O-L-E, within the ranks of the election integrity community. And God bless, true the vote, that they did what they did, a monumental, monumental effort to make this happen. So now we can understand, if you understand these are paid agitators and they're at the same place, now you're beginning to understand this is in fact an organized crime initiative that's going on. It's very easy to see. Let's continue. So just just to kind of orient you, in the uh, upper left, what you're looking at is a pattern that shows Dropbox visits uh, on October 20th. Uh, this, in, this device went to uh, the Atkinson Library Dropbox seven times, the Capitol Library Dropbox twice, and the Martin Luther King Library once, and then one of the organizations uh, once. Um, to the immediate right, uh, Another individual uh, went to the Martin Luther King Library Dropbox eight times, Atkinson Library three times, and a separate organization once. Uh, and then down below, we have visits to Villard Square Library three times, Atkinson Library twice, Bayview Library twice, Central Library once, East Library, Mitchell Street, Washington Park, and Zablocki Library uh, for a total of uh, 12 very widely distributed visits in a day. And again, it's important to recall that we looked at patterns before your early voting began. So if this was a normal pattern, this would have this would have already been separated from the core group that we're looking at here. This pattern existed only during early election or early voting. And then the last one, just for completion's sake, we go to Central Library uh, eight times, Capitol Library twice. Good Hope Library once, and Washington Park once. And being mindful that these are just four of our 130 or so different devices on one particular day, um, I think you can see that the numbers uh, roll out. And by the way, um, I probably could have just stayed in Ukraine because she does this a lot better than I do. I think. <laughs> so a few things to remember going back to the previous one where they said they made 3,900 trips. Do you think they only carried one ballot with them? This is in Wisconsin, by the way, Milwaukee. Do you think these people 
only carried one ballot with them. Well, if they only carried one ballot with them, it was, we'll just call it 4,000, we'll round it up. But if they did that at each box, and there's four boxes, right, on the trip, you begin to see how the numbers pile up. And then if you understand that this can go on for as long as 20 days, remember in Maricopa where this happened as well, there is not election day, there is election month, election month. Because it's allowed to come in all month. So you're talking in some of these areas, absolutely, hundreds of thousands of illegally laundered ballots. This is a huge deal. Now, I want to catch, I want to make sure you've caught the real point here. The good thing about geofencing data from a technology standpoint is you can look before and after events to prove this is a unique pattern. Do you follow what I'm saying? So if you know this occurred during the early voting time, one of the ways you can prove this is you can go before that and after that, and you can show how these same cars that made these same routes, right? Some of them 20 or 30 times, one day, drop, 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 drop. All of a sudden, didn't exist, came into existence, and then disappeared. Make sense? This is how you prove the case. It will be a huge battle because these attorneys are going to fight it on Fourth Amendment. But that's why I said what has happened is one of the greatest gifts ever. And it doesn't matter who's working in electri- uh, election integrity or what they do, whether it be confirming signatures. By the way, we now know the artificial intelligence for the signature matching in Maricopa. You didn't know it was done by AI. Looking at AI failed 85% of the time. In other words, out of 100 ballots, 85 of them, it got wrong. So again, this is not a crisis in the sense that we're getting our asses handed to us. This is a monumental eye-opening event. Even you now know more than you ever knew about what could be done. This is irrefutable evidence. And with the opening of all these eyes, everybody knows what to do. So I want you to understand how it works. Hard evidence. The key to take from that point is you look at that period of time. Think of a judge. Think of a jury. Think if you're one of the 12 sitting there making a decision. This is so provable because the attorney will argue, well, 95% of those people in there were were there for legit reasons. Okay, great. Then you're able to say, well, we kicked them all out, but 95% of those people didn't go here, 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 and here specifically, and they didn't circle it all after midnight at these different times doing it. See, date and timestamp is critical. All these attorneys will try to refute it. Date and and timestamp is what's critical, and this is what we're learning in this process And this is why going forward, we'll be able to plug these holes. Let's continue on. 
not there was some nexus between these cell phones or unique device IDs, I should say, and um, and some of what happened in the election. Uh, we, uh, our analytics team, we have 12 people, and we began to unpack pretty much everything that you can imagine about the election. Uh, we've gathered more than two petabytes of data, uh, ranging from video to our pings or to our, our uh, loca location signals. Um, and uh, documents, um, interviews, um, we, we've, we've done quite an extraordinary amount of work. But one thing we learned is that there, there are five key components to the um, hypotheses that, that we came to understand as being, uh, Catherine coined, uh, I think appropriately, as ballot trafficking, uh, because it's far more than just harvesting. It's far more than just collection. It's the combination of collection, distribution, um, uh, storing, um, and the components of those were are uh, very clearly inaccurate voter rolls, um, uh, the mass mail of ballots or ballot applications, um, non-governmental or governmental organizations or NGOs, uh, the privately funded drop boxes were certainly a component of everything that we've seen, uh, and non-government or um, money was the nexus to it all, and it, it really began to help us unpack um, what it, what were some specific examples. So I'm going to chime in right here. I'm going to go back to my screen so I can explain a few things to you. On the left is what I told you about with the Eric voter rolls. If you have fat voter rolls, and I'm not talking fat people on voter rolls because they'd all be my aunts. They're related to me, but I'm not talking about them. But if you had inaccurate voter rolls, if you know where the fat is, you know how many people could get a ballot and they're not going to come in. Now, as I said in number two, you see mass mail ballots. You need an overabundance of ballots, an overabundance of ballots. Now, an NGO is a what's called a non-governmental uh, organization. And I'm going to I'm going to look up the exact hang on my, my desktop going hang on as you hear me struggle around my mic i want to give you the exact de definition a non-governmental organization is an organization that is generally formed independent from government they are typically non-profit entities and many of them are active in humanitarian or humanitarianism or social sciences they can include clubs blah 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 okay this is a place in a way that they launder this money. Do you remember me telling you about it? They launder money. And then you have privately funded drop boxes. Privately funded drop boxes basically means that the government didn't pay from, for them. Now, see money on the right? Those are the Zuckerbergs. The Zuckerberg kicks the money in the middle to the NGOs. The NGOs funds the drop boxes. Do you understand how the organization is laid out? It takes all of these pieces. These NGOs are just a way they launder the money. Let's continue. Examples of what was happening out there. So why should we care? Um, this um, will take a few moments to go through. And I'll, I'll explain to you our uh, some of the assumptions we made. Um, but we believe that 7% of 
the mail-in ballots, uh, approximately 1.9 million, I think, here in Wisconsin, um, were uh, cast as a result of trafficking. So you saw the numbers there. All those ballots cast because of trafficking. They're in the hundreds of thousands, hundreds of thousands around the country. We're going to take a quick break. I know everybody's got to do a pee-pee break. We'll be right back right after this. See, I told you learning how to tell the world to cut the crap would make you feel great. There's more to come. Jovan will be right back. The morning after the 3 November 2020 presidential election, Americans woke up to the stark reality that our great nation was under a new type of attack. This attack didn't come with mortars or bullets, but was an assault on our sacred election process. Since then, Americans everywhere have had to ask themselves if they really believe that our election was true and fair. We are in a time of large-scale government corruption, and many have lost faith in our institutions. That's why we formed the America Project for you and for the nation. The America Project was formed by a group of fellow patriots who are building the most pro-freedom and pro-American network ever known. The America Project will connect you with organizations, churches, small businesses, and individuals to help you win for America. The America Project is about actions and results. Join our team today. God bless you and God bless America. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, CEO of MyPillow. Retailers, shopping channels, and now even banks have tried to cancel myself and MyPillow. Well, during these times, your support has meant everything to us. So my employees and I want to personally thank each and every one of you by passing the savings directly on to you. We're selling the best products ever for the best prices ever. For example, we have my standard size MyPillow, regularly $69.98, now only $19.98 with your promo code. Or you can get custom fit with my premium queen size MyPillows, regularly $79.98, now just $29.98. Or my king size, regular $89.98, now just $34.98. So go to MyPillow.com now and use the promo code on your screen or call the 1-800 number below to receive this exclusive offer. If you do it right now, I'm going to include a free gift with your purchase. Thank you and God bless. Jovan, HuttonPulitzer.Locals.com is the only place a true patriot can stay informed, free of charge, without censorship. Over 18.5 million plays, it's Jovan Hutton Pulitzer. It's absolutely a government triangulation. They are literally putting Mike Lindell in the crosshairs. They get to choose 250 ballots of their choosing. Now you have the facts and the information to educate them and to open their eyes to what's really happened. Even I had no idea how dirty they play this game of censorship until I lost my social media. If you consider yourself to be a true patriot, it would be a crime not to visit jovanhuttonpulitzer.locals.com today. I guarantee you, you will absolutely be the smartest patriot in the room. We're back. Now let's continue to fight back and take back our country by learning how to tell the politically correct to cut the crap. Here's Jovan. 
Okay, guys, we're back. We're talking about True the Vote. I'm doing my best to help you understand why each of these points in this testimony are important. We're all, we're no longer drinking, you know, with through a water hose. We used to say that, and that's even no longer a fire hose. It is Niagara Falls, folks, of the information that comes in that we have to process to stay on top of this. You should see uh, 2,000 mules, not only because it'll open your eyes, you should see 2,000 mules just to think through the vote for what they did, which took millions of dollars to do, just like the audits, like Patrick Byrne, putting up millions of dollars to make sure it happened. There are many, many, many people working behind the scenes that you'll never get to know that don't want to be known, and many people that are in corporations or have incredible um, access that they know if it comes out that they're working on this, they'll lose their job. A, a lot of people, that's what has to do with these organizations that are suing to get access to everybody who contributed emails set in because they want to do their best to dissuade you from ever doing this again and make examples out of people. Uh, it's really funny. As you see all these criminals doing this, they come after us fighting for election integrity. They want to create criminal uh, actions and cases against us, not the people doing this in the field. That is how corrupt this game is. Folks, this is a one-finger war. If you're watching, and there's several thousand of you watching right now, you need to rumble. You need to hit that plus sign. You need to share this. This is where you can learn how all of this works. It's why I do my broadcast 7 a.m., 7 p.m., seven days a week, Central Standard Time. This is about learning. This is about open your eyes. For guys that have been with me and girls for a long time, you, you've got a Ph.D. in this crap now. You've got a Ph.D. in crap cutting. That's why the show is called Cut the Crap, Culture, Race, and American Politics. You have to understand that. And right now, it's simple. I, I, I look at people and I look at thousands and thousands and thousands of people watching. But the shares don't say that. I don't know if it's people just not interested in the topic uh, or people don't care. Or they're always saying, well, hey, well, what can I do? You can use that one finger. And you can make sure other people see this so they can get trained. Let's continue. The majority of... Uh, the drops uh, occurred after business hours. So with the libraries, this would have been well after the libraries would have been open. Um, usually, uh, uh, you can you can speak to this, but I think it was generally 8 p.m. to 5 a.m. <laughs> Interesting. This is why, remember, anytime you have any electronic devices involved, in this case, cameras, in the case of voting machines, um, we have date and time stamps as well. And I'll just give you a good example. This is why technology is your friend. When that paper goes into the machine, that ballot goes in, it is given additional numbers, date and time stamps. That's how we're able to tell what machines ran on what. But also when something goes to adjudication, that's where a human's going to look at the file 
And imagine if you were looking at a ballot and it might take you, even if you were in fast, 30 seconds to look at the ballot and see what was wrong or not wrong with it so it could be corrected. And this past election in 2020, they used artificial intelligence to do it. What it didn't do is it didn't let people look at everything on the ballot. So it only said, hey, the computer says this is wrong. Look at it, which is in a, a way to be deceptive in itself because it gets to choose what it shows you. They sold it to these states, by the way. Imagine that. They sold it to these states. It's going to make it faster. It's going to make it better. And you won't have to take so much time to do it. What it changed in this process is when a ballot was bad and the machine couldn't read it, it was set aside to a special box. People would gather it, take it to another group, ostensibly a Democrat and a Republican. They're going to look at it. They're going to see what's wrong with it and decide what needs to be fixed. Physical ballot, they're looking at everything. And this new AI system, it snapped a photo, quote unquote, of the ballot scan and sent it over and said, only look at this stuff. Nobody knows if that photo, that image was absolutely 100% correct. But the way also that technology is good and can be used nefariously is if you had a thousand ballots to adjudicate, by the way, 99.36% of all of the batches in Maricopa were changed. There were 270,000 or something like that changes in ballots. However, when looking at this date timestamp, if you had a thousand ballots that needed a correction on it, and they should at least still take 15 seconds, but you see with one click, all thousand are adjudicated, you can show maladministration because they actually didn't do their job. There was no human involved. It, they just auto accepted it lazily. Kind of the same way when you get a software program and it has that little agreement, which you've never read, every single thing in it, and you click, okay, I want this app. Same thing. You literally can use technology in the right way to determine if everything was processed and run correct correctly. Let's continue. It seems to always shake down in about this same 7% or so. Um, the, um, the challenge that, that, we as Americans face, um, in, as Catherine pointed out in her opening comments, that you know this was the most secure election in history. We've all heard all the all the um, media's take on all of this, um, but this is a number that should concern everyone. There's 4.8 million votes that were cast nationally, or so, um, in this fashion. And if you consider that, that, you know, some of the elections in some of the states were pretty close, uh, you know, Georgia being one, your state, Arizona, you know, and the, some of the ones we looked at, it, it, it really is um, um, troubling that, that this could have happened. And I think that um, our view is that any community in this country of any size, whether it's you know a tiny little place like San Luis or a you know super huge place like Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, um, that the same um, concepts were developed 
And that's why the numbers stay the same. Because they identify, it's a, it's a, it's an organized crime. It was perpetrated on Americans by um, advancing um, bad process, dirty vote, Catherine will go through this here in a moment, but dirty voter rolls, um, ballot boxes, um, all sorts of mail-in ballot capabilities. Um, and you roll all that up and, it, and it's quite evident to those of us that have spent the last 15 months of our lives um, developing these numbers that this was indeed an organized crime that was perpetrated on Americans. I couldn't have said it any better. If you followed me for a while, you understand that RICO, the definition of RICO, is in all of these cases being met. And I'm going to pull it up again. I'm just going to read it to you. It's basically racketeering, influenced, and corrupt organizations. That is the statute. And it's basically saying, do you have a criminal enterprise that is undergoing something in order to get an interest in something? Well, you have to understand, voting for somebody with a ballot is giving that person and that party uh, party a controlling interest, in most cases, into what goes on in the United States of America. We're a 450 trillion trillion dollar enterprise. It normally includes gambling, bribery, kidnapping, money laundering, counterfeiting, embezzlement, drug trafficking, slavery, and all other kinds of things. And now we know that this can be done with elections. This is the definition of a RICO case, and they are extorting, they are extorting our votes from us in order to exert control. And it's intrastate. Let's continue. Evidence of what what we consider to be ballot trafficking um, that your law suggests is illegal in practice. The voters on the other end of that process, whether or not they engaged wittingly or unwittingly, whether or not they were paid for their ballots or not, that's a that's a whole nother matter, honestly. Um, and, and we've seen it across the country in, in a variety of ways. Some people willingly bring their ballots to churches and get paid for that. I mean, there's a there's a variety of, of ways in which this happens. The, the really troubling part about about the process, and this has been consistent, is that when you are involved in a in a in a in a community or in a um, a network and broadly just in an environment where it's acceptable, where that's an okay thing to bring your ballot and get paid for it, sealed or not, you bring your ballot and you get paid for it. Or, you know, I mean, there's some there's so many ways to get at this, right? You can you can get paid for your ballot. You can, in the case of um, mailing out of a ballot, it just maybe never arrives in your mailbox and you don't know and it's gone. Um, you can be required, as we've seen in many states, to hand over an open ballot. Uh, we don't we don't want to and, and are not trying to, to to split the baby on 
exactly which way these votes were actually collected because there's all manner of ways. Um, but no matter how you slice it, we, we believe it's voter abuse because to believe that you need to hand over your ballot under any circumstance is abusive and it's not fair to the voter. And I think we collectively need to do a better job of, of, of reinforcing the pride of, you know, being, being able to deliver that ballot ideally in person, but if it's going to be in a mailbox, so be it. But this notion that, I mean, I cannot tell you guys how many people we have talked with it. Just, they just, yeah, it's what we always do. This is how bad it is. That's where I'm going to stop for this uh, evening point on it. I, I want to point out some key things here. You heard Catherine say that in some of these places, they want you to bring your ballot in opened. That's a minor technicality where they saying, we didn't open this ballot to get a ballot out. They opened it. Do you understand what I'm saying? They'll have you open it, but not vote it. They're trying to make the plausible thing that they didn't do it. There is no reason in the world that we should allow any open ballots to be counted in our systems. There's reports all across the country that some of these envelopes came in. The way it's supposed to work is you mail, and I'll just take Maricopa. You mail your ballot in, it goes through the postal system, it uh, gets there. It's gathered by the county. The county then takes that over to Runbeck, who does the signature check. So Runbeck scans in your envelope, or let me correct that, not doing the signature check. They scan in the envelope and get that signature. It's the digital acquisition part of it, right? And then what they do is they have these all kinds of entrees, and supposedly they send those digital signatures off to MTech or the verification place, and they're supposed to do a check. Does this match? Does this match? Does this match? If it doesn't match and it's set aside, that information goes back to Runbeck that's pulled, and then they go down to the MTech center to ostensibly be opened. Now, if you're a smart person, you understand what just happened. Number one, when you have the ballot printer and mailer scan that back in for you, it's only software folks, but when you have them do it, you now have a entire lead up of who voted. You have in Maricopa from basically uh, October 10th, you run a whole month almost, scanning in these ballots. They know everything about you. They know your name. They know your voter ID, precinct, and everything. They already have all the numbers. They know everything that's hit, hit in there, period, period. So it is not hard at all to rig. Because based on the statistical probability, they might not look in that ballot, but they know your history. It's all there, folks. They know how you're going to vote. Now, if you're in one of these places that have an electronic machine where you go beep, boop, 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 because they did that to improve 
people have a hard time filling out the ovals and we don't want them to feel bad if their oval look, looks goofy. So we'll do it for them. No, it's just another way to steal the vote. They took the paper out of it. That's part of the plan. And so you have to understand if you just heard that they scan it in and they do a digital image and then it goes down here and then it comes back here to pull out, you're, all of these are breaks in the system. Nobody outside of your government should have that information because you're paying the government enough as it is. It also proves that somebody can call from downtown and say, pull this ballot out. We don't want it. The system is in place, folks. The system is in place. It has been in place for a long time. And so simple things like how do how do boxes of ballots get downtown that are opened already? Well, if it's opened, you can't really confirm that that's the original ballot that was voted, can you? That's why they're supposed to be sealed. The most valuable thing is the envelope, not the ballot. See, when you got it at home and you opened it up and you voted it and you put it in that secondary envelope, that's the valuable piece because technically you were supposed to sign it. If they can get a hold of that and swap your, if it's cracked, they crack the ballot, get a hold of it, swap ballots in it, it looks like you voting. Our system is Swiss cheese, and that's insulting the Swiss because they would never make a cheese with that much holes in it. It's flimsy. We're horrible, folks, in our voting systems, but it was designed this way. It was designed this way to compromise us all. That's why we have to do away with the voting machines. Absolutely. This embraced them. Absolutely. And precincts should count their votes. They waived that. Ah, 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 ah. They got rid of that for COVID. You can't have people standing together. They'll get sick. They eliminated all the precincts, pushed them down. This was a coordinated attack on every level to circumvent this election process and get somebody out of office they could not tolerate, but more importantly, somebody they could not control. I appreciate you all. I'm going to run the out. I'm going to play the ABCDFU song and then the router song for you. I really appreciate it, folks. You need to get your family members and stuff to watch this. You need to get really educated on this. We're going to do more of these. I appreciate you hanging there with me. Good night. Most people are afraid to stand up and speak out, but not you. You've been learning how to tell the system to cut the crap. What can I do to help save the America I love? And the answer is, learn how to fight back and tell the system to cut the crap. Cut the crap's not just a radio program, it's a movement. The right kind of movement, which breaks free the conservative constipation and reminds you that you are the majority, and we're just not going to take it anymore. Make sure you're following Joe Von Hunt and Pulitzer on all social media. See you next week, and between now and then, take a stand and tell them all to cut the crap. 
Hey there, think of all those people who mocked you for being a conspiracy theorist. Are you ready to become the smartest patriot in the room? Well, now's your chance to join me on Local. It's exclusive. It's a free trial membership where you can use to determine if my work, my insight, my content, and what I do to educate you to fight this fight for our country is worth it. And this is a whopping $4.16 decision, since that's what the membership is with an annual subscription. Now, you have to decide if $4.16 a month is worth becoming the smartest patriot in the room. So are you willing to spend $4.16 to gain the knowledge and insight it takes to make sure your country and our way of life survives? Is $4.16 even worth being able to prove to your family, friends, and co-workers that you're not some whacked conspiracy theorist? Is $4.16 worth spending on your education to fight this fight, but to also know you can do it where you can share the truth and talk about the truth, so help us God, and not get banned? If you are ready to become a fact-slinging, ass-kicking warrior of truth who fights for the survival of this country, then I invite you to take me up on this offer and determine if our country, our future, and my information is worth $4.16. Now, of course, you could use that money to buy one, well, say, iced coffee from your local Starbucks, or you could even feed yourself a box of frozen pretzels. Or that same $4.16 could be used to buy a small frozen Sara Lee pound cake. Now, of course, you could use that same $4.16 to feed your brain and to pound some sense into the leftists who are leaving our country in a mess. The choice is yours. I hope you join me. Click on the link below to take advantage of this exclusive limited time offer, but you better hurry because it won't last long. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, CEO of MyPillow. Retailers, shopping channels, and now even banks have tried to cancel myself and MyPillow. Well, during these times, your support has meant everything to us. So my employees and I want to personally thank each and every one of you by passing the savings directly on to you. We're selling the best products ever for the best prices ever. For example, we have my standard size MyPillow, regularly $69.98, now only $19.98 with your promo code. Or you can get custom fit with my premium queen size MyPillows, regularly $79.98, now just $29.98. Or my king size, regular $89.98, now just $34.98. So go to MyPillow.com now and use the promo code on your screen. Or call the 1-800 number below to receive this exclusive offer. If you do it right now, I'm going to include a free gift with your purchase. Thank you and God bless. But you know what? If we lost the election, we know when we lose. If I lost the election, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. Seriously. The county has refused to produce the network routers. We want the routers, Sonny. The county refused to produce the network routers. Wendy, we got to get those routers, please. Get up. Routers. Come on, Kelly, we can get those routers. Those routers. Wow. If you got those routers, what that will show. And they don't want to give up the routers. They are fighting like hell. Why are these commissioners fighting not to give the routers? How simple could it be? That will tell the truth. And they don't want to give up the routers. What are they trying to hide? And I say it, and I'll say it, because the easiest way of cheating 
is to throw them away. That's easier. The county has refused to produce the network routers. We want the routers, Sonny. The county refused to produce the network routers. Wendy, we gotta get those routers, please. It's so unfair. It's so unfair. It's so ridiculous. I, I'll be honest, though. Look, we all like to win. If I lost this election, I could handle it pretty easily. Run in 24, sir. You're gonna win. And I say, wait a minute. I just won six months ago. The big lie, they call it. Those trends are unproven. And knowing what happened in the election is a good thing, not a bad thing. It's a good thing, not a bad thing. It's a good thing. The county has refused to produce the network routers. We want the routers, Sonny. The county refused to produce the network routers. Wendy, we gotta get those routers, please. If you think about cancel, everything about cancel culture, they want cancel culture. But what they don't want to do is anything having to do with the 2020 election. We have no press. We have no voice. They almost got away with it. They may have gotten away with it. And I've got to tell you, I've got to say this. I've never said it before, but I've always thought it. I get along with Putin because that's a good thing, not a bad thing. The county has refused to produce the network routers. We want the routers, Sonny. The county refused to produce the network routers. Wendy, we got to get those routers, please. Get up! Get up! Started this thing in early 2020 Said we'd be here but no one listened to me Biden said he'd end COVID if elected But his response has just been plain pathetic Mandates, boosters, shutting down our kids' schools They must think that we're all a bunch of fools Pfizer CEO is raking in the money Well, I don't really think it's very fun told us 15 days and we could slow the spread that was two years ago now you say get the vaccine so we will end up dead a b c d e f you and your mask and your stupid little vax and your booster shot and your omicron fuck you and your jab and the fucking wuhan lab and your vax passports I need for you to hear this When you're in prison It will feel like pure bliss You think you're a king In charge of my body The constitution says That's really naughty You promised a vaccine And it would be the end All of that was a lie Now you're on shot four But it doesn't stop the spread A, B Cohorts. Na 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 na
Fauci and Pelosi and Saki and Schumer. All of you. <laughs> <laughs>